Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live and today we are joined by the legendary Keith David who is nice enough to give us his time while he's on the move to talk to us for a little bit. Keith, thank you so much for being our guest today. How are you doing? Hey man, I'm doing great. Yeah, and thank I'm you. Doing a beautiful day here in Boston. It looks like a beautiful day, and I want to thank you again for joining us. I know you're a very busy man, and to talk to you, it's a great honor. So let's get right to it. We'll keep this as brief as possible. Uh, you appeared in this past summer as one of the most highly anticipated films, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, was this your first time that you've ever met uh, Jordan? No, we actually met at an NAACP, NAACP awards dinner uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I told him how much I enjoyed his work. And uh, I probably hinted at would love to work with him someday. And uh, he took me up on it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he did. And it's great. How was it when you actually did go on the set? And how was it like? What was it like working for Jordan with him behind the camera? Oh, man. He is a really wonderful director. He's a wonderful writer. And he's... Ah. Sorry, guys. We lost Keith. Let's see if he'll come back on. He's on the move today, so I apologize for that. Let's see... Hopefully, we'll get him back. There you go. We got you back, Keith. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Much better. So, uh, the question was, what was it like working with Jordan behind the camera? Can, Lord. can you see me? Hmm. I'm going to go. I can see you now. Yeah. You know. Okay. Uh, Am I, I can, back? Yeah, we can see and hear you just fine. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. We got you. Uh, okay. Okay. So the question was... Yeah, we, I went out for a minute. Okay. So the question was, what was it like working with Jordan behind the camera? And I said, you know, he's a really wonderful writer. He's a really wonderful director. And he's an even better human being. That sounds great. So uh, yeah. there's definitely all the work that he's done is each work that he's done is very unique and it's creative is sort of an understatement for his work creative is an understatement he yes. has this imagination that i have never seen before i mean i don't know where he gets his inspiration from but it is truly amazing now looking at your resume before today's show you have 350 credits to your name. Now, looking back on <laughs> you, I mean, that's just phenomenal. Looking back on your career and having been in some of movie cinema's uh, greatest films of all time, which role do you attribute your big break to? I mean, is there a role that you feel gave you that big break that you needed? Um, 
It's hard to say. I will say that back in 1986, when um, Platoon came out, mm. um, I have certainly done at least one movie a year since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're still going strong. I mean, you have like over a dozen projects that are coming out what is it what how do you keep the passion of acting fresh for you every morning when you wake up how do you how, how do you keep that fire burning look you know uh, every day I, I get a chance to work is a gift yeah you know i just stay present with it you know as my grandmother used to say, my God is a good God, <laughs> you know? And I feel like, I feel like acting is my ministry. I mean, that's what I'm called to do. And praise God, I get a chance to do that. You know, uh, I'm, uh, my, my phone still rings. Um, and I try to keep my instrument sharp. So when the call comes, I'm ready. Because if you're not ready, it's not really an opportunity. Absolutely. And you're living the dream. You're living the dream and you've had... I am living my dream. Amen. A absolutely. Uh so we gotta talk a little bit about the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Uh that's one of the biggest films. Uh Tom Waits, who was my guest yesterday, uh, he defined it as a cult classic. I sort of see the thing as a mainstream classic because it has fans even outside of the horror genre uh tommy described it as such a fun set to be on what were your what are your memories of what that set was like in filming the thing man it was my first movie every day was a thrill a minute <laughs> you know i mean it was a big learning curve uh i was i was uh I was in a cast of extraordinary men. You know, they were, they, 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 it, it was so beautiful because there were no, there were no hitches in the giddy up. Yeah. There were no personality clashes. You know, there was nobody who just couldn't stand somebody else and they, nobody didn't get along. It was none of that crap. It was just a bunch of guys, you know, doing their job. Yeah. Being, uh, being led by a great director who knew what he wanted and was very clear. And um, it was a phenomenal first experience for me. Now, working with Carpenter, you are one of two characters that survives to the very end. Um, did did Carpenter have a, you know, obviously uh, you would say Kurt Russell was the star of the film, uh, even though I see all you guys as a star of the film. When Carpenter told you that Childs, your character, and Mac, Kurt Russell's character, would be the last two standing, what was it about Childs? How did he describe your character and the thing to you as to why he would be one of the last two standing? I don't know if we ever had that kind of that conversation directly like that. I mean, um, Childs was the um the next era parent outside of mccready he was the next go-to guy to be in charge to really get us out of here yeah um as mccready 
describes him. He's a little bit of a hothead. Uh, and so we see, you know, they were, they had two different leading styles. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both guys who would have gotten the job done. Yeah. And I think, I think the ultimate reliance on each other's integrity is what got us through and what got us to the point where, you know, we're the, we're the two guys left. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie is celebrating its 40-year anniversary this year. It's amazing. 40 that years. That is amazing. And I it, find that amazing. And it is just as popular, if not more popular today, than it was decades ago. And does it amaze you yeah. that to this day, people are still having the conversation of who between McGreedy and Childs was infected? For me, I, I, I'm i like, guys, the movie is done. The, the thing is dead. Okay, that's how it ended. That's what I'm going to go with. But people are adamant and having this discussion. You must be tired of it. <laughs> what do you think um, about you that? Know, my standard answer, my standard answer these days, it's so if you think so. <laughs> exactly. That's whatever, what, whatever you believe. That's what that's what Carpenter's intention was. And he left it and he just left it up to the audience, you know, take away from it what you want to take from it. Now, uh, as an actor, when you reach a certain level in your career, you get to sort of decide if you want to work with a certain director or not. And definitely you've achieved that long time ago. When it comes to choosing a project and you're looking at the director, what kind of qualities do you look for for someone that's going to help bring out the best character in you? I think somebody who's clear, somebody who's compassionate, somebody who I feel understands the process Mm -hmm. and can be helpful. You know, um, I think one of the, one of the, grand marks of a great director is someone who sets up an atmosphere where I don't have to act. All I got to do is find the behavior of the character. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I think that was a, a gift John definitely possessed. Wow, that's amazing. You have done and continue to do a lot of voiceover work. You have this very distinguishable voice that as soon as people hear it, they know it's you. What is it the love of, I assume you're a history, you're a big fan of history because you have done a lot of historical documentaries that you've narrated. Uh, what is the the passion that you have for doing voiceover work, whether it's uh, for documentaries or whatnot, that keeps bringing you back to that? Well, first of all, it's work. I'm an actor, and I like to work. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I also love the the learning aspect of it. You know, you know, you know. As actors, we are forever students. And you know, so yes, you know, um, by by some desire, 
And also by design, I, I am a, a student of history. Every time I, every part I play, every play I read, there's an historical element. Mm -hmm. What period am I in? How did these men act in those times? How did they behave in that era? Each, each, you know, the clothing was different. The, uh, the, uh, you know, societal understandings were different. Yeah. You know, um, trends were different. Absolutely. Both style trends and thought trends. So, you know, that's it's my job to find that out. We, we find that out through history, Absol reading. Absolutely. You know, uh, going to museums, looking at pictures. You know, you, you know, we, we, we now have, you know, evolved long enough to have to have, you know, radio and television, film records of some of the things that went on in times past. So we study those things to make them more authentic for the period that we're in. I saw that you have a documentary coming up called The Gettysburg Address, uh, where you narrate that. Is it important when you do this kind of work that you that you deliver uh, historical facts accurately, as well as bring you know the voice to it, but to deliver the facts accurately and whatnot as accurately as we can. Many, many, many times when you're doing a, when you're doing a documentary, you have to go back in and post and change some things because as the historians continue to uh, explore and discover things, some things that we understand as being uh, absolute today, something shifts, something gets discovered, yep. and well, it's not as absolute as we thought it was at that moment. History can only be true to this moment and, and what we know. So, and and then have the courage. And the wherewithal to go back and change it when you have to. Exactly. History is always getting rewritten as new information is uncovered. Now, moving on, in 88, you starred across Roddy Piper in, in a movie that reunited you with John Carpenter. And that's They Live, which has gone on to become a big cult classic film. Did John have to lobby you to take on the role of Frank? Or were you just itching to work with John again? John called me up. He said, listen, I wrote a part with you in mind. Would you read it and let me know if you were taking it? I read it. And I mean, first of all, it was John. I would have, unless it was horrible, I would have been hard pressed not to do it. But I was really impressed with uh, what he wrote, you know, you, you know, and he, and he was concerned whether it was a whether it was cliche or, or not and i had to i had i had to um, reassure him i didn't find the character cliche at all in fact i found him quite innovative because mm -hmm. you know he was part of what we we know as the working homeless yeah there are many people you know uh who are homeless today because they can't afford housing that doesn't mean that they're unclean that doesn't mean they're unkempt it doesn't mean that they that they have uh, they lack in values, you know. It just means that they they don't have a permanent home, and they do the best they can. I loved Frank because he was a guy that went around the country. He followed the work. He got the job and what money he made. He didn't lavish on himself. He sent back home to his family. 
He exactly. took care of his family. Yeah. And oh. that was that was that was important to me. It was a hardworking man who provided for his family. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, working with Roddy Piper, who came from the world of wrestling, uh, for people that don't know, uh, you know, hadn't really done much acting. What was it like uh, with Roddy on on the set? Um, I mean, was he just spot on? Did John have to work with him a lot? And you guys on how the scenes were going to play out? Uh, I thought, you know, John's skills as a communicator and his ability to communicate and connect as a director was certainly... um, demonstrated wonderfully on Roddy. He was able to bring out in Roddy, you know, that which wouldn't have, he couldn't do by himself. And I thought Roddy pulled in a wonderful performance. He did. And, you know, that was largely in part to John's communication. He was hungry to learn, and he he always asked me questions about acting and how he could do this better, how he could do that better. And he was very receptive. And, and, uh, and John was very much there for him it you know gave me a a really great deeper appreciation for john and his communication skills oh that's that's great to hear keith i want to thank you so much for giving us this time while you're on the move you did not have to do that just taking this time to talk to us and share with your fans thank you so much uh nope uh even though you had a small part in it you were great uh the movie was fantastic uh i'm glad you got the opportunity to work with jordan and if jordan calls again and offers you another role i assume you will not be turning that down is that accurate oh sorry oh keith are you there Basically, yeah, the, you said if Jordan calls again, yeah, would you, yeah, you would jump at the opportunity to work with him again, I assume. I'm here. <laughs> All right, uh, Keith, thank you so much again for your time. Stay safe. Uh, until we talk next time, guys, thank you for tuning in. On behalf of Keith, David, and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Bye, everybody. <laughs>